0: In 1960, ITV executive Sidney Newman asked Brian Clemens to rework the Ian Hendry suspense show Police Surgeon into something called The Avengers. The programme lasted almost the entire decade of the 1960s and became integral in shaping the mod scene in England. Some of its stars, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg, and Patrick McNee became icons of the spy movie culture that ran rampant through the middle part of that decade. These Avengers don't wear tights, they don't wield magic hammers or fancy shields, but the women are stunningly beautiful and squeezed into tight leather cat suits. so there is that. Join Thomas DJ, top professional, and Scott McGregor, talented amateur, as they journey through an England that didn't exist, but maybe should have, with Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler. You know, that other Avengers podcast. Two... Hello, and welcome to your guide to the Morocco Long Plume Blue (laughs) three-step.
1: If you can find one, which is not likely.
0: (laughs) Be sure to get one with
1: all the edges. Yes, even margins, yep.
0: This is, okay, I, I know you guys are waiting for the crazy robots... And um, the time travel and all the other crazy stuff that happens in about three seasons. (laughs) Today we get to talk about stamp collecting.
1: (laughs) 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 Which would normally not be a very exciting uh, subject to me, but Uh, Kathy Gale's involved, so I was able to stay awake through it, yes.
0: To give you an idea, (laughs) it's funny because when I was a kid, I used to collect stamps.
1: I did too, I used to have a pretty respectable box so i'm sitting right here okay so um (laughs) was it like is
0: it like a box like the size that we see at the end of the episode
1: uh not quite that large no okay and then no Mar mauritius penny in it at all yes Yes, that's the
0: name of the episode folks it's called the mauritius penny it was episode seven in season two uh, the teleplay is by Malcolm Hulk and Terrence Dix, and that is our Doctor Who connection for, uh, for the episode. And we'll talk about the great Mr. Dix. That sounds wrong.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> in, in a little bit. Um, the director was Richmond Harding. And uh, who wants to do the – do you want me to do the summary?
1: I can start off, but first we should say that we are uh, with Umbrella oh, Charm and yes,
0: Bowler. Of course, I'm top top professional.
1: I'm Scott McGregor, talented amateur.
0: And you are not listening to the the guy to the three cent, whatever. <laughs> ah, hell, I said um, this is actually with Umbrella Charm and Bowler, that other Avengers podcast. So.
1: I mean, we we vowed not to talk about um batrock this this episode.
0: I, I, yeah, I don't think batrock's <laughs> going to come up. Although, no. uh we will probably be talking about some audio drama. Okay. After we do the main the main section do. Have we been get do we get complaints about our
1: batrock love? No, but you said you said our your your one friend there like just a standpoint. We we in editing I realized how much we really did talk a lot about batrock last episode. But, but that's all right. The our podcast. good
0: news is we got all the other stuff done. Exactly. First. You know. <laughs> so anybody who's just interested in the Avengers coverage, just listen to that and then just go okay.
1: Yeah, all the drunk usually happens at the end, so it's, yeah. it's easy to, to sort out.
0: <laughs> so um, we we open up our, our teaser is a in the back of a stamp shop. A dignified old gentleman excitedly calls one of his clients because he saw a Mauritius Penny being that, offered
1: that stamp on list. a stamp list, yes, which, which what people used to have to do in the old days of commerce yeah. before you could just click on something on Amazon and order it. You actually had to like send letters out and crap to, to oh, inform your customers these, what you might have for them. These were a lot different when we were younger, folks. Yes, they were. Yes. Oh,
0: my God. <gasps> I was I was doing a like very brief trans uh, transgression digression. I, I was at my gaming night last night. Mm. Every Thursday night, folks, I I do I I go to a uh, role playing gaming night with my friends. Uh, if you're listening, hey Bill and Anna, and the the game is set in 1989, right? and one of the one of the players was looking at me because it's like why can't you just use your phone <laughs> and I'm like it's 1989 dude yeah and you have to go I find am, one <laughs> i am playing a vietnam vet blind vagabond i cannot afford one of those auto bricks that they used to have back then
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> but anyway um, somebody overhears him and kills
1: him. And somebody he knows, presumably, because yes. he startles him. And he's like, "Oh, you know, whatever his name was, you, you yes. startled me." And and then all of a sudden, his face turns to horror, and he just actually, like, I
0: could probably tell you. I, Let I me just look up.
1: Thought I had it right uh, in front of me. Um, to to brown, maybe. Oh,
0: good notes, good job. I think Goodchild is the one that that. Um, okay,
1: yeah, they don't have any pictures for anybody on yeah. IMDb here for some reason. Um, so the stamp- no. The, the stamp guy was uh, Burke, wasn't he? he wasn't the owner of the shop? I think Peckham
0: was the the owner of the shop. Okay, played by uh, Harry Shacklock. So, um, because there was apparently. 110's organization has found that there have been some hidden messages being sent through these stamp lists. Steed uh, inducts Kathy Gale and uh, gets her to insinuate herself into the investigation by applying to be the new assistant.
1: And um, coincidentally, and you know, Conveniently enough, she is a philatelist. F- no, wait, yes. that didn't sound uh, right. Philatelist. That- <laughs> uh, <laughs> she likes is- stamps. People. Yes, that's it.
0: <laughs> so, um, there they go. To, they go to an auction auction house. The two of them,
1: and she un- unwittingly b- bids on a lot. <laughs> yes, uh, she unwittingly
0: bids on the lot by waving hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. There is a mer the the the, the, st- the new the new owner of the stamp shop who says, "Oh, we're only got to keep this open like what four to five days, and then everything will be fine." Yeah, yeah. Um. Points. Refu- re- um. Give me a second. Well, they go to the, the stamp auction house. Run. By Good Child, played by Alan Rolf.
1: I remember uh, Steed kind of does a little spying himself at first and yes. and gets told that's where the fake stamp comes in because this yeah. isn't a murder mystery. And, and you think, you know, when it first starts out, it's like, okay, old guy we, yeah, gets shot, and, you know, we're probably yeah. going to figure out who shot him. But then the next scene is literally. The guy who murdered him talking to, you know, whoever this other shady guy is. And, yes. And that's when we come into realizing that, you know, well, I only have to play the clerk for a couple more weeks because something yeah. we don't know is going down.
0: going to happen. Yeah. But...
1: And then Steed goes, in there are pretending to look for, for stamps. and Right. So, and gets thrown breadcrumbs. He's in
0: full Steed garb.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: He's in full Steed garb, and... This results in the assistant, the shop assistant, getting murdered
1: right at the auction because right uh, the auction, because the an gun auction gun- gavel is always louder than a gunshot. Yeah, um. of course. And they're, they're, they're
0: just, you know, it's not like you know, there's the smell of gunpowder or anything, right? But, <laughs> blood. <laughs> and uh, then we then we meet uh, Steed's made
1: she's great she's awesome and freckles makes an appearance
0: yes freckles makes an appearance um what they find out ultimately through all the all the the spying and stuff is that there is a secret fascist organization
1: yeah, this escalated quickly, as they say. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going along thinking, you know, there's definitely some spy stuff going on here. And there's some talk of, you know, um, you know, tr- crates of guns and stuff. So we're thinking mm-hmm. maybe there's some gun smuggling going on or right. some Cold War. You know, there's obviously some Cold War secret messages going on with these stamp lists and everything. Mm-hmm. So and then it, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, there's uh, like a... a a big uh, plot to overthrow the governments of Europe Of you Europe, know yes <laughs> like not even just England just everywhere By you know?
0: people who by people who wear Uniforms that are, quite frankly, not at
1: all Nazi-like at all. Not at all no. Nazi-like. Yeah, no. Not at all like and that
0: that symbol does not look at all like what the KKK would have designed <laughs> no. if they were Nazis.
1: No, that's yeah. That uh, the designer on that is. I'm surprised they didn't co-opt that. You know, neo-Nazis yeah. didn't co-opt that that particular design because it's it's well thought out. Yeah, it's basically a cross between the KKK. It's a swat, swatika made of K's, essentially. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Um, they
0: find out that the Merida, the the, or the, Penny, the Mauritius Penny is a reference to the leader of this group, which is called the New Rule. And he is r- revealing himself to his followers that night. And it turns out it is a person who we have assumed was a friend of. For the first half,
1: yeah, very you know innocuous, you know looked just kind of like a fellow stamp collector guy that they run into, and um, yeah, ends up being More a big bus. Yeah, I, Richard Vernon, who uh, might be
0: familiar to um, some viewers if you are a James Bond fan, he was in Goldfinger, and um, it became they have to. They have to save the day.
1: Yeah, we're we're literally into like almost world saving, um, yeah. you know, stuff here for the Avengers. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, because I didn't really see that coming. I, I didn't really see, you know. And, and Kathy gets in there just by doing a judo chop and stealing an right. invitation.
0: There's and, also a there's also a dentist with a foreign accent.
1: He, yes, that's always fun. Yeah, and, and denture, you know, dentist related torture. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: it's not the first time we're going to see Steed at a dentist chair. By the way,
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
0: and a, a uh, she discovers that he's that his cover is blown when she realizes his dental chart doesn't match the dental chart of the person she was meeting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, I mentioned earlier. That this episode was written by Malcolm Hulk and Terrence Dix, and these two gentlemen are our Doctor Who connection. Terrence Dix, he unfortunately died very recently, and he was a major, major writer for Doctor Who throughout the 70s. I'm seeing that, yeah,
1: between 68 and 83, it looked like, yeah.
0: Um. He, well, that, that last script that, that he's credited with, uh, State of Decay in 83, I think, was written by him back in the 70s for my favorite Doctor Who producer, Philip Hinchcliffe. But they, the BBC said, no, we don't watch. It was about uh, uh, aliens that were kind of vampires. Mm-hmm. And the BBC was afraid there would be too much confusion between that serial and... And their production of Dracula with Louis Jordan that was going out the same year. Okay. So, but uh, in addition to writing many scripts for uh, Doctor Who, he also is perhaps the most prolific author of Doctor Who adaptations. He wrote the bulk of the serial adaptations for Target novelizations. Mm, Okay. Which is how I learned about many of the the earlier doctors by buying them through the uh, comic book art gallery here in New York on uh, 54th Street. So um, he mentioned, the other thing that's interesting about, about this, I want to point this out, is if you are familiar with, Doctor Who, and you watch this episode, the third act may seem eerily familiar. Because apparently unintentionally, Terrence Dick says he did not realize this. As he he puts it, as he puts it, uh, my old friend Mac, Mac Hulk used to say that to write a science fiction or any kind of fiction, you needed a strong original idea. It didn't have to be your strong original idea.
1: Right.
0: Um, Basically, there there is a very similar scene in, I think it's episode two of Robot, the first Tom Baker serial. Okay. And there is a villainous organization that is called the Scientific Reform Society (laughs) there. That is very, very similar to uh, the new rule here. So... What did you think of the Mauritius penny?
1: I, I liked it a lot. I said it was kind of a, got a little whiplash at the end because it was just like all of a sudden Kathy's in this big meeting and they're talking about overthrowing everyone in Europe and like, yeah. wait, wait, I need to go back and see how we got from stamps to here. <laughs> 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 Because, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, again, I have a couple problems with it. Like, it, again, uh, near the end, like, Steed and, and Kathy kind of get out of shit from on a wing and a prayer and mm-hmm. and, a, and a lucky, uh, you know, cargo carrier. Who's the guy that, like, knocked when Steed was being tortured and about to be killed? Somebody, Glory driver. Right, somebody, yeah. But, I mean, is this, like, something that I was unclear on, like, if this is something steed had set up or he just happened upon the scene and decided to knock this guy out or what was going <laughs> on i really wasn't sure I'm like well there was a lucky break yeah but but again it's like steed was you know i like to see steed more and in steed control
0: pretty man handled in this he, episode he
1: does. i mean he almost gets you know a drill through <laughs> he has a woman you know the woman doctor you know holds a drill to his neck basically yeah, and, and her <laughs> evil assistant yeah and uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, she was good. There was a little Ilsa, you know, shoe yeah. over the SS going on there, um, and uh, yeah, I, I like the again. It, it was like wow, this this moved quickly to you know world conquest stuff. This is yeah. kind of exciting. Also, um, he
0: gets beat up by um, two two thugs pretending to be policemen.
1: Yeah, again, yeah, um, which he he. he you know, ultimately discovers they're not policemen because they, they their masks slip a bit.
0: Because their shoes are too. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah I thought that was I, I thought that was clever. So it just shows that he does have a you know.
0: So Freckles is there to revive
1: him. <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene too. Yeah, he's just laying there. Um, Kathy Gallagher proved to be much more competent than Steed in general. Course, course. You know, she got out of her particular jam with a nice little judo chop, and, and uh-huh. she ultimately comes up behind uh, the guy with the gun at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Although they both get the drop, you know, the drop made on them. And, and right. <laughs> and almost get themselves killed again. So, uh, but overall, yeah, I, I fully enjoyed it. Um, yeah. You know, it's an it's an old trope to go to, and I'm sure it's one that yeah. the Avengers. I'm sure this is not like the last militant group looking to take out the government that we're going to see on oh, the Avengers <laughs> by any means. Of um, course not, because um, it's a good, you know, old. It's you know, even James Bond. It's a good old, you know, spyish, you know, Cold War thing and uh, trope to go to. So. I think um, we've
0: got one coming up fairly. It might not, it might be in the end of this season or the very beginning of next. Uh, the the death of a batsman mm-hmm. is a, is about another attempted military coup of England.
1: And by batsman, like in cricket, batsman.
0: Apparently, a batsman is the is English slang at the time for an aide to a superior
1: officer. Oh, okay. You know why? I mean, that just sounds like a cricket. It shows how much I know about English culture. It sounds like a cricket player. My entire uh, knowledge of Cricket comes from an old video game I once played that I don't remember. No, I was right. I just looked it up. A player, especially in baseball and cricket, who is batting or whose chief skill is in batting. So.
0: Well, in, in this episode, it refers it's to you. not a cricket
1: player. But yeah, it's I'm not a cricket player. Good to know that my brain still works somewhat. That's okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, what, what else can we say about that? A lot of people are going to show up later. In different roles,
1: yeah, as always in this, yeah.
0: Um, notably, and I know that, that that you were got excited when I told you the name of this episode. Uh, Anthony Blackshaw is also in the super secret cipher snatch.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, good.
0: Um, Edward Higgins appears in the maybe not good but very significant episode, the Forget Me Not, which is the episode that transitions from Mrs. Peel to uh, Tara King.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, David Langdon is in the remake of the, f- of the episode we're going to see next next month. The great Death of a Great Zane in this, in this incarnation called The 50,000 Pound Breakfast. Okay. Hmm. And uh, Harry Shacklock, who played the who played Peckham, the the old old gentleman at the yeah. beginning? Who gets murdered, starts everything. Appears in the Hammer film parody in the last season, Thingamajug.
1: Okay, I've got him listed here in the uh, Man Eater of Surrey Green, too. Yes, uncredited though. Um, yeah, yeah, in Thingamajug. And,
0: yeah, Maneater Eater of Surrey Green is the fourth episode, and it is the I think the only the first. And maybe only time it's pure science fiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you could say, like, the the cyber cybermen, the cybernauts are science fiction, but they're kind of treated a little more grounded. Mm -hmm. This is just, hey, outer space plant.
1: Yeah, man-eating plant from outer space lands in middle England. Yeah, can't wait for that one. (laughs) That sounds good.
0: Well, we got a ways to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got a ways to go, because we're still in season two, and that's in season four. So this was much after Mission to Montreal and the Removal Man, which was entertaining because of the performances, but not but obviously padded. This was much, much more on track for me.
1: It's good to have Kathy back. You know how I feel about that. But, um, yeah, and just, uh, again, it just shows that her, her, she's, and it works. The only reason it works is because Honor Blackman makes it work. And, <laughs> the, and the, we're just going to obviously give Kathy, you know, some some background and whatever skill she needs. Yeah. Um, although it's funny is that she, yeah, she's actually trying to help. Is, is it her that, I mean, she finds a book at one point, which is like, you know, rare stamps, essentially. Guide right. to rare stamps. And I wasn't clear on whether that was something Steed had bought. Steed
0: Steve bought it to... to-
1: Right, right. Because remember,
0: in the, ce- in the scene, the first scene at the auction house, after they leave the, the auction room, she hands him two books, saying, "This is going to do you a lot better."
1: Right, right. That's right. Yeah, because she knows her shit in this. Definitely, almost to fall. Like you know, they're talking about some pretty obscure stamps, and she just seems to have maybe right. too much knowledge of it for for it being a hobby of hers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, She's just a polymath. That's she is. she yeah, just knows uh,
0: lots of things about lots of things.
1: Yeah, which serves Steed well. And, uh, and a little funny interplay, too, that, that we got a little bit from Venus last time, and that, you know, she just kind of, instead of making, making Steed, like, you know, beg or, or manipulate for her help, she just kind of willingly is like, yeah, you don't. she leads him on for a second. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to help you, you dummy. Don't worry about it. You know, it's in the (laughs) script where I've got to, you know, (laughs) who else do you know that knows about stamps? You know, that singer, you think she's going to help you out with this one? (laughs) Let let me go on another, uh, another brief digression. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you
0: just how few people know about stamps.
1: (laughs) Right. Well,
0: back in 1989, 1990, I worked for a, um, phone re- a, a phone research firm called Penn and Shone mm-hmm. where we call people up and get, and ask them about certain things M- most of it was political
1: Right.
0: Uh, we were big in the, uh, the the first Clinton campaign and one night I come in for work and we're told we have a stamp collecting survey
1: okay Nobody,
0: and there was about fifty people in the phone bank.
1: Uh-huh. No
0: one found anyone
1: <laughs> who even commissioned that poll. <laughs> the, the
0: post office. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a post office poll, and we could not find. It was basically us going, uh "Do you?" Because with with these phone surveys, you have what you call qualifying questions. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, if, if you you own a Volvo, and we're, we're talking about Volvos, it's like, do you own a Volvo? Okay, so that's part of your – we never got – I never got past – and I was – it was a five-hour shift, yes. and I never got past the first qualifying question, which was, do you collect stamps?
1: <laughs> Maybe you should have led up to that. <laughs> yeah, but um, – do you use stamps? Have you ever put a stamp on? Have you yes. ever actually licked a stamp? <laughs> you know what a stamp is. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: this is—I mean—the thing that's kind of cool is that this is something that I guess we're going to see—we're going to see a lot as the show progresses. Which is, of course, it's about an eccentric field and mayhem in that eccentric field.
1: It's more just that there were less things to collect back then, too, you know. (laughs) I
0: just wanted to know what that kid's story
1: was. Which one? You know, the
0: kid that they kept chasing out of the shop?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, they they were discouraging a young and upcoming uh, stamp collector, possibly. Yeah.
0: But... They they had to because they were about to try to take over <laughs> Europe.
1: Yeah, you know you can have things like customers getting in the way of that. <laughs> and, and, uh,
0: and we never find out what happened to the the other,
1: um, the
0: other new rule cells in yeah, the other
1: countries. There was, yeah, everywhere. I mean, they had like what was it? The Scandinavian delegate was there to <laughs> yes, the scale talk. Um. But, yeah, I guess other other agents from the, the organization must have swept in and, and dealt with things, I guess. Um, right. And also the nice thing about
0: this is that it does take you by surprise. Because, like, okay, Phil, something, you know, it, it happens and we are taken by surprise. We, I, I don't think anybody expects what happens at the end of this episode
1: well no i mean stamp collecting is a pretty good distraction for world conquest you gotta give it to the writers on that one it's like (laughs) you know i would have wrote it like thunderball or something where the first scene is a nuclear weapon being stolen or something but no stamps and misdirection all the way yeah And as I said, you know, you know, it's not like a murder mystery because the murderer, you know, we is talking murder about murder. doing the murder five minutes after it happens, and mm-hmm. um, so you're just and kind of like
0: not long for the world because he's a very nervous man.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I just kept the, through the whole thing. I'm just expecting for like the you know, where the secret Russian code is going to come in because, even to add to the misdirection. Um, Early on, Steve talks about, you know, there being a code. It's like, well, this has got to be a code, but we don't have the key, so we'll never decipher it. And and so they put you right off on that tangent right from the get-go, and, you know, you're thinking, well, they're going to find it, you know, in the the stamp list, and they start kind of leading you with those breadcrumbs that, you know, the answer might be in the lists, and then the Mauritius Penny is just a guy. He's just the the new Hiller. (laughs) <laughs> the, so, yes, it was. It was
0: I, th- I think a lot of good performances. It was a, a well-written script. I don't know if Terrence Dix writes much of anything more for the series, though. Um, we're at this position. We're at this position right now, where um, Clemens is is starting to exert a little more control, mm-hmm. and when he basically takes the show over. Around, episode, around season four, it's just his people, you know? Whereas here, it's like a, in season two and season three, it's a lot of people from the BBC writing pool. Mm. So I would recommend this. I think this is, a, this is a very good episode.
1: Yeah, despite the fact that we just, you know, spoiled the big twist at the end, but, you know, it's still enjoyable. <laughs>
0: well, you know, it's not like... If people are coming to our podcast, the chances are very strong that they are, have already seen it.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to rope in a lot of new Avengers fans.
0: And Maybe. Or they're like very confused. Why aren't you talking about the Black Widow movie? Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we'll have to do a show on April 1st where we just well, talk okay. about superheroes.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> Question question for everybody Um, do you want us to be try to be spoiler free or not because I don't know maybe there are people who are like oh here's something that's going to be watching a TV show I've never watched before I'll watch it with it
1: but most of the people I've seen like commenting on our Facebook page and stuff we have a Facebook page Um, you know I've been like we're watching it along with you basically so I mean they know when we put out an episode I think they're watching the next because they know it's coming next. As we usually. And also, yeah, it's not like we it. haven't told you what the next episode is at the end of right, the, the previous so. one.
0: Yes. Um, and speaking of which, oh, this is a this is a landmark episode that we're going to be covering in December.
1: Okay. Good.
0: Death of a Great Dane.
1: Oh, I don't like the, that title though.
0: One of I think <laughs> three episodes. That were remade for the cut co- for the color season, uh, um, the Peel season,
1: mm-hmm. seasons five and six. Ooh, so um, we get to compare and contrast Honor and, it, and Diana on that down down, down the the, the way. Yeah, yeah, because
0: basically, Clemens said five and six were the the first seasons that they knew for sure were going to be shown in America. Uh-huh. So they figured. They've never seen the first three seasons, so to save time, we can Just cherry
1: ne- pick the best ones and yeah, and, and
0: rewrite them a little bit. There, there are some cha- There are some differences between the two the, the two versions, as you'll see when we get there, way, way in the future. Um, but yes, it's death of a great dane. This is this is a, a landmark episode. It's considered one of the finest episodes of the early years. I'm looking forward to experiencing it again. And um what do we got after that? <laughs> he says. Uh, the sellout after that. Okay, that I, I I probably will remember what the sellout is.
1: But uh, uh it doesn't. It looks like it's uh not seeing the usual companion here. Mm-hmm. Do- oh, Doctor Martin King is back, isn't that our oh, buddy God, from? That's uh, my, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's why I don't remember this episode. <laughs> Blocked it out of your head. Huh? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. Oh. No. Yeah. It's it's Doctor King. So you know what that means.
1: <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, a lot
0: of th- a lot of that 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 doofus just like crossing his his arms across uh, over his chest and kind of smugly smiling.
1: Yeah. Oh well, that's only Uh, one, and Kathy's back after that. For
0: the good news is is that'll be the last time we'll ever see him.
1: Yeah, death on the rocks.
0: two episodes, um, and somewhere down the line, we're also going to get a Venus Smith episode where she doesn't sing.
1: Okay, well. Um, so she does have other talents.
0: She does have other talents. Yes, it's actually, it's actually, I think, of all the, the Venus Smith episodes, the episode I'm referring to is actually, I think, my favorite of her
1: eight. I bet so. she's not half the filletist that uh, Kathy no, Gale no, is, yeah. though.
0: Then that, that sounds dirty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make up the word. That's
0: right. With Umbrella Charm and Bowler for all, all your double entendre n- and <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It really wasn't anybody for Steve to tap, so we can't play did Steve tap that?
1: No, didn't even really have time to to flirt with Kathy much in this one?
0: Yeah. Um, so let's let's go down our checklist. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a fairly a fairly funny
1: script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, well, I love the uh, the very short. It, it, does his cleaning lady come back throughout the years, or no? Uh, that, no, that is the only time we uh, see. Ah, it's too bad. Does she look like she could be a fun recurring character? <laughs> yes. Uh, and any kind, of, anytime you've got a sassy house cleaner, you know, for you know, she's like, "Oh Jesus, you've been partying all over!" You know, she finds him on the floor, and yeah, she didn't think he was mugged or anything; and and she just thought he was a dr-
0: sacked. <laughs> yeah, and
1: that's
0: her thought. Yeah, so, I don't think much of your friends, Mister Steve. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, they they should have kept her. She could have been hilarious through the years. Well, um,
0: unfortunately, the only recurring character we have is one ten until yeah. until season. For where we meet the Cybernauts and uh, Brodsky. Yeah. Um,
1: But yeah, it had some some good humor in it. And uh, I said just the the twist was was the best part of this. Yeah. um, he starts out as you said in full uniform. He switches hats again. Right. A little later on, that must be like his combat hat or something. You know, he goes to the bowler for like the, the deceptive mm-hmm. stuff, and then he throws on—I don't know what kind of hat that is, but mm-hmm. um—he you know, goes to that when when the shit starts going down near the third act. Um, and that's uh, no real drinking. Not a lot of kinkiness that's right. factor.
0: No. No. Um, no sh- I don't think there, there's... We do see...
1: I think you want to count the Dennis scene, because there's a little, you know... Sad, okay, oh, uh, there there
0: is that, and there's...
1: I was about to, to, to mention that there is
0: an extended sequence in one scene where Steed goes through his wine cellar.
1: Yeah, oh, yes, that's right. That was hilarious, actually. I don't know if he was, like, like actively trying to hide there? something, or he was just really that... Yep. Pretentious about his own wine supply, I think, and I think he probably was. So that was, I think that might be one of his interests or eccentricities. So go for eccentrics on that. Steed is his own wine eccentric. (laughs)
0: Yes. And, um, you know, fights kind of anemic, but. There are fights
1: in this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the ones, uh, I said, the one between Kathy yeah. where uh, she looks like, you know, they're getting the better of her. And then she, she I think it was a judo chop. She, like, did the judo chop right to the neck. Yeah.
0: We have some Avengers news, by the way. Okay. We have some Avengers news. This Avengers, not the other Avengers folks. Um, Usually this comes out towards the end of the, the month. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving, if uh, we don't talk to you before then.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Um, this month, till till the end of November, uh, Big Fish, the audio production company from Great Britain, run by Nicholas Briggs, who is perhaps best known to Doctor Who fans, has the voice of the Daleks. Ooh, all right. Uh, um is having a special sale on the box set for the lost episodes volume one a couple of years back briggs got the rights from uh from the owners at the time yeah i think brian clemens was still uh, alive at the time to basically adapt all the first season episodes into one-hour audio dramas, mm-hmm. which are available in what they call box sets. So the first four episodes of The Avengers is... And I'm, I'll read them out which which episodes they are in just a moment. I just want to call it up on my... Because they have an excellent... Uh, phone app that's how I listen to all, all all the stuff that I buy I buy way too much of their stuff oh yeah, okay there we go uh, the episodes that they've adapted in in box set number one is hot snow which we kind of sort of covered right brought okay. to book which is the second part of the hot snow of a hot snow square root of evil. And one for the mortuary. Three of these four episodes were written by Brian Clemens, but they were adapted for audio by members of the Big Finish staff. And you can get these four adventures for $10. So if you're interested, you may certainly purchase it because... I can attest to the fact that Big Finish does very good productions. They also do have done an adaption slash update of The Prisoner, which I've been loving. Um, But, yes, so go to the Big Finish website, bigfinish.com, and click on the Big Finish Book Club in the the pull-down menu, and that'll take you straight to the offer. So, and this is not sponsored folks, this is just something of interest that I thought maybe you would like to invest in, so maybe they would make more.
1: Yeah, absolutely, we should support stuff like that, because not exactly. like there's going to be any new official Avenger stuff coming out, I mean, this mm. is, you know, official, but... Uh,
0: and I figure, I, I think we, we discussed this before uh, we started recording. I'm thinking that at the end of the second season, I'm gonna I'm gonna get these four to you, and by the end of the 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 second season, we'll do a special episode just covering those four plays.
1: Yeah, definitely, because I I would love to see the end of Hot Snow and its <laughs> yes. sequel someday, or at least listen to it. So yes,
0: so so yes, yeah, so the uh, the Avengers, the Lost episodes, audio dramas
1: are highly recommended by me, and uh, they're on sale. So. Yeah, we can always do a special episode where we can cover stuff, you know, when we get into that era yeah. we'll, we'll do the, the Steed comic and everything like that, Steed drama right. comics.
0: Mm-hmm. There, there are also... the, uh, But, yeah, and also take a look around Big Finish's website. There are, if you, if you are a, a geek with a, a particular affinity for british television or or for dark shadows because they have the dark shadows license and yeah. they have yeah, quite a nice that. range of stuff with that with that license but they have blake seven they have Doc- doctor who is where they built basically nicholas briggs was the doctor who fan
1: mm-hmm.
0: and during the wilderness years which is from 1989 to 2005 Briggs started writing and producing these fan-made, basically fan-made audio dramas. Mm-hmm. The BBC got hold, got hold of, of the of it, and instead of saying, "You cannot do this ever again," they said, C- "If we give you the license and you give us a percentage of the cut, we can make we'll make you the uh, official."
1: Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't, I don't know why some bigger properties don't take that. Approach too, but it's it essentially comes down to cheap marketing for your yeah, for your IP. Yeah. So why not? But there
0: is some question about whether the big Finnish productions are canon or not.
1: Yeah, well I, that's you know I I don't get torn up over that canon yeah. crap. I mean canon can be whatever the hell you want it to be. You know, but ex- exclude or include at your leisure. But
0: they're, <laughs> they're really good at, and they have at this point now they they have. Um, adventures covering all of the Doctors.
1: Yeah, and Torchwood. <laughs> so, and Torch,
0: that's right, yeah. Torchwood and uh, Class, which is the another spin-off that never made it here to America, I think. And a lot of like, um, just, they, they spin-off characters into their own little series. So, long before uh, Elizabeth Slayton was in the Sarah Jane Adventures on the, the BBC... They were doing Sarah Jane miniseries, a big finish. I think they're still available as download only, but, but yes. I saw
1: here they've got some kind of a Martha Jones Torchwood crossover. Oh, yeah, I,
0: that's coming out next year. That mm-hmm. is coming out next year. I cannot wait because I have always said that Martha Jones was a, an idea for a great character that was ruined by season three. Mm-hmm. And when she showed up on Torchwood that one time – we saw what that great character was. And right. I wanted to see her. Apparently, they'd actually thought about bringing her back permanently as a member of Torchwood. Yeah. yeah. But she had already gotten the go-ahead to be on um, Law & Order, Great Britain, whatever mm-hmm. they call Law & Order UK, whatever Dick Wolf called that
1: version of the... Right.
0: Because there are Law & Order...
1: I did not know there was international law and order. There are
0: international That's, law and order.
1: It's depressing.
0: They are adaptations. <laughs> What's really peculiar is what I understand. They're adaptations of the American episodes.
1: <laughs> Why so, not?
0: although I, I would think, I, I could kind of see like law and order UK if they were like doing the same thing, which is like taking a British case and putting a little spin on it. Right. But apparently, like, there's one in U.K., there's one in Russia. Um, there, I, I think there's there's one or two in the, the East. There is such a weird... Uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research into Asian cinema and Asian television lately.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Korea has adapted... Uh, Not the blacklist. um, Leverage, which I understand is a show that a lot of people really love.
1: I vaguely remember with Timothy
0: Timothy Hutton leads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A group of con men whose basic job is to blackmail
1: people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, um, but yeah, yeah, she was hired to be the female lead on Law and Order UK. So. That what that prevented her from becoming a regular on anything who related, but I'm glad she's coming. I'm glad that
1: that they, they're bringing her character into the uh, big finish universe, if you I, will. I just noticed they do a space nineteen ninety nine one too. So.
0: That's that. That, uh, that, just, that line just started. That line started.
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> although I, I was saying to our good friend Andrew Leyland, um. Because we were talking about Jerry Anderson. Yeah. I don't understand why they don't try to get... Because they have Space 1999 and they have Terrorhawks. And I'm like, why don't they do Thunderbirds? Why don't they do UFO? Yeah. You know, because I, I would think that those properties would have appeal not only in Great Britain, but here in America. Because... You and I remember Thunderbirds.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And See, I don't know if I could different.
1: do... I mean, it's a little different animal than doing, like... Well, I mean, Doctor Who has always been a visual show, but yeah. I, I don't know if I could do Space 1999 without my Eagle spaceships and stuff. <laughs> no.
0: Well, they have an offer. Usually, every once of, every month, they offer, like, excerpts of upcoming things, like like there is a, a free episode of that prisoner adaptation i was telling you about which yeah. i think is excellent uh so you can sample it and see if it's for you but i don't think they have one up for space 1999 mm-hmm. but anyway yeah I, I, I actually asked them it's like well you have dark shadows do you think you could get kolchak the night stalker and she's uh-huh. like there there's no call for that in britain
1: yeah yeah there's I no really i was be. like
0: damn it because I love. Yeah, we we
1: we end up liking all their stuff. They they don't copy yeah. us as much as we copy them. <laughs>
0: well, but then you you ask Andrew Leland about oh I don't know Night Rider.
1: Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. Or well, Airwolf. He's, he's just a mutant, though. And not everyone in England likes <laughs> likes uh, Night Rider and Airwolf like he does. <laughs> you know what?
0: Really, to my surprise, surprise was is really pop was really popular in Europe that failed here. The Planet of the Apes TV series.
1: Really? See, I loved that when I was a kid. It didn't yeah. fail on my TV, but... <laughs> um, uh, I like to rib Andy about Airwolf, too. Whenever you post an Airwolf meme, I'm, I just like post hashtag Blue Thunder for life or something like that. Alex
0: Cord is in the... We're doing... Uh, we're about to go into our uh, Two True Freaks promo section. Uh-huh. Uh, Alex Cord is in the movie that that chris and i are covering in next month's episode the december 1st episode of honeywell experiment
1: okay awesome
0: so um but yes so we invite you of course to uh patronize and sample the other great two true freaks podcasts uh are you still on the boys over at weekly heroics
1: i still have to put it out the first half of it and then uh then we have to record the second half of it yeah i've been slacking. i'm effectively retired except for this podcast for the most part okay (laughs) till i finally get my uh my dream project going which i'm not going to jinx myself by talking about that's uh, fine but um... um yeah, I still have to put out a preacher. Still have to put out a preacher cast and two boys casts for weekly heroics. Those are going to be coming out. But. Okay, and then sure. we'll end up doing like a review of uh, new Star Wars and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I would like just to throw are out going oh, to
0: dip your toe in in the Disney
1: Plus series stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm highly thinking about it. I mean, definitely, I definitely one really way or another. Upset. I'm watching the Mandalorian, yep. whether I do it legally or not, but. Um, I'm actually probably going to subscribe to the Disney channel. Okay. There's a lot of classics. I have when I heard Kevin Feige yesterday talking about, oh,
0: well, you're not going to be able to understand the MCU movies without watching the TV shows.
1: It looks like it's kind of going to go that way, which is, I never liked when a franchise does that at all. I don't like it with Star Wars. I don't like it with anybody.
0: I, well, know, I, like to I have, don't want to get on a rant about Disney because yeah, yeah. I, I do not, and- I'm not complaining about the the, the theme parks and the, the cart and the animated movies and stuff. I am complaining about the way they seem to be trying to create a, a, a trust to push everybody else out of the market. Yeah, That's worry
1: about. Yeah, yeah, it's we getting complicated we to disclose. watch everything you want these days. That's yes, for we should sure. Should
0: disclose that one of our um, one of our founding freaks. Is a member of uh, the Walt Disney World crew. Yeah, 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 and very good one
1: apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets to work on a lot of good stuff, and he's, i think he's somewhere stationed in the Star Wars galaxy stuff right now. Oh, cool!
0: That must be—he must be in. Yeah, that's talking
1: about your your dream job. Yeah, <laughs> well done, sir. Yeah.
0: So, um. But, yes, yeah, so there's... A, no 5-Minute Freaks coming up?
1: No, I can't get them. I, I wish we had done one on The Lighthouse. I need to do one on The Lighthouse that's, you know, like my own thing for, like, an hour and... Yeah. But, I mean, a million people have dissected it already, but I'll have to throw mm-hmm. a movie recommendation out for that if you're...
0: A film mainly about Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson masturbating, from what I understand. Yeah,
1: There's a lot of that. Yeah, more okay. more than I would have expected. Um, but, uh... Aside from good masturbation acting, there's some good <laughs> regular voice acting going on too. What's the
0: masturbating It's not something I want to see.
1: <laughs> well, it's luckily not explicit; it's just okay. implied. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, he's, he's he chews some scenery though, man. He 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 must have he must have had a dream to play like the you know it must have been his life. Desire to play like a curmudgeonly you know, mm-hmm. just cartoonish. He's literally like the the old sea guy from The Simpsons in this, you know. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of great to watch, but he just, yeah, turned it up to eleven. So, okay, the, um, worth the price of the ticket, right there, just to see Defoe, Defoe uh, Chew scenery. Right, has listened to this the
0: episode Phase JK of uh, the Honeywell Experiment. Is coming up as part of our year-end celebration where we are welcome where we welcome the great writer j k conrad j a conrad uh, to talk about emmanuel and the last cannibals december 1st i'm really excited about this we're doing the interview tomorrow uh, our guest will be the great Graydon clark and we're going to talk about his direct-to-video. We're going to talk about the period where low-budget filmmaking went from the grindhouses to the to the video market, and this is his first, and to the best of my knowledge, only direct-to-video film. Graydon Clark's "Uninvited." It is a film about a cat that lives inside another cat.
1: It sounds frightening and fascinating all at the same time.
0: It's. It it fulfills one of my (laughs) my first rules of House Cinema, which is you have to promise, and if you can, deliver something to the audience they've never seen before. And yes, there are things you will never see before in this movie. Um,
1: I dare say that might actually, you know... Lap uh deathbed for for strange I, concepts. There, the bed that eats you. But cat yeah, inside whoa. a cat is hard to hard to top.
0: Brady <laughs> has written has made over twenty films in his career. Uh, other films that people may may remember from him are uh, Without Warning, which was the the film about an alien hunter hunting humans that predates Predator by about three years.
1: Right. Okay
0: um Joysticks which is a teen comedy with Joe Don Baker uh, about a video arcade and having to save the video arcade for being torn
1: down and um of so course I bet they people- have a giant party to do it or something don't they spoilers no um it's usually how those teens save the rec center Well, I do know
0: that that, that there is a scene, there there are several scenes where one of the characters is competing in a video game tournament against another character Ah, on this giant video game stage with a giant (laughs) joystick. But it's actually, it's it's one of my favorites, Of, of his work, it's one of my favorites. And people who are MST3K fans, so we're talking to you, Jack and Eddie brothers, uh, you might recognize Graydon Clark's name from Final Justice and Angel Squad, which are two sh- two films that they did on MST3K.
1: Okay. Angel so, Squad
0: sounds um, familiar. It is. And he has a fascinating biography out, and I recommend it, uh, autobiography. I recommend it to anybody who's interested in filmmaking because it is Real deep dive into what it takes to make uh, make a film, but that's coming out December first. And then we always like to do something really fun for for New Year's Day. New Year's Day, we're doing Darktown Strutters.
1: Darktown Strutters. Darktown
0: Strutters is a three day wonder from Roger Corman's. Uh, from the Roger Corman studios Mm. written by George Armitage, who might be familiar to you guys has the writer director of gross point blank. Oh, okay. And it is bizarre. And I love it to death. So it's going to be some fun stuff there. I still have to get, I still, I think now that, that the Halloween horror fest is over, I should, I should finally get to editing that the the next couple of episodes of Tom DJ's watching. (laughs) Uh, there's going to be a new podcast Coming on my Patreon Which is at patreon.com Which is called Pacific Rim Rialto Which is about Asian genre cinema So uh, that first episode Will be coming out By the time you hear this And you can get that at the $3 Or more level On the Patreon And if you want to support podcasts like With Umbrella and Boulder and others, please, I invite like you to join our Patreon and get goodies. You like goodies, don't you? Mm. I know you do. <laughs> Anything else we have to say before we let you get going and uh, uh, pick up my just, laugh monkey?
1: Just, this is, uh, is going to be our 10th episode, and it's, it's kind of hard to believe we're almost at a year of these already. Oh, but, my goodness, yes. Yeah, and many years to go. You know, thinking about the math of it all, and and hopefully we can, you know, keep this going until we get into the rig gears and stuff. <laughs> you know, assuming things like me hitting animals in the road doesn't yeah, interfere yeah. with that. Um, hopefully maybe, I- they, maybe they were sent by a, a fascist organization
0: <laughs> designed to hinder.
1: Our podcasting efforts, yes. Yes. I don't know. Well, they failed. I made it, and and (laughs) we are recording again. So, you'll have to do better than that. You'll have to throw fucking stamps at me or something.
0: So, until (laughs) next month, folks, keep your champagne chill, keep your bowl ready, and let's stamp this one out for delivery. (laughs) Good
1: night. Good
0: (laughs) night. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to
1: either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks.